2 Timothy. And uh, one of the things that we're going to see here is Paul's reference once again to that day. It's the day we all look forward to. Starting in verse 15. You are aware that all in Asia turned away from me, among our whom, among whom, excuse me, are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. All right, little cherubs can go. Little, little, little children dismissed. The cherubs and, and Pete. The cherubs and Pete. Dale's on, Dale's on, on, on deck today. Good. Have fun. Better him than me. Actually, I, I, I was a, um, when was that, when we did, what was it called in Berean? Power Hour. Yeah, we were part of this church in North Carolina, and I guess in North Carolina you can't call it Children's Church, you have to have some cool name. So it was Power Hour, and uh, it was pretty powerful. It was like, what, first through sixth graders or something like that? Fourth graders? So Denise and I did that for quite a while. It felt like about 15, 20, 30 years. It's probably more like a year or two, but... Um, it was exciting. Um, so I'm thankful for those who go and serve in that way. Um, and I'm thankful that I don't have to. So it's good. Um, let's pray, and then we'll jump into Second Timothy. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you'd help us to understand and to believe. And we do pray for those who are, who are learning your word. And the, the children in, in the uh, children's church room, we pray for them as they are learning your word as well that you would work in their um, little hearts. And, and I pray that you'd work in all of us this morning as we, as we think about what you have um, recorded for us by your Spirit. And we pray that your Spirit would teach us this morning. Well, thank you for it. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, are you committed to refreshment? Are you committed to refreshment. Paul says that Onesiphorus, Onesiphorus, I have to say that name a lot today, so i got to get it down. Onesiphorus refreshed him. Are you committed to refreshment? I'm not asking if you're, if you're committed to refreshments like, like cake and punch. I'm, I'm asking, are you committed to refreshment? Are you committed to refreshing people, to being a refreshing person? Is that a big deal? To, to be someone who refreshes, who, who replenishes, who um, refuels those around you. Is that, a, is that a big deal? It was a big deal to the Apostle Paul. He says, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are uh, Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me. And was not ashamed of my chains. This shows us that Paul needed to be refreshed. He needed to be encouraged and comforted and refueled. That Paul got depleted. 
Sometimes when God, or when Paul is talking about comfort and re, re, refreshment and encouragement and replenishment, sometimes he speaks of God directly comforting him. I think he's going to do this in the end of 2 Timothy. You're going to hear that everybody abandoned him and, and God comforted him. God sustained him. So sometimes Paul speaks of it as coming directly from God, but then oftentimes he speaks of it as, as God using Paul's friends to do it. He speaks of, he speaks of times that, that his friends come alongside him and encourage him and comfort him and refuel him and refresh him. So the question is, if, if Paul needs this, if Paul gets depleted, are any of us exempt? The truth is, if we are going to be disciple-makers, we are going to get tired. We are going to get depleted. To live a life that follows Jesus, that honors Jesus, and then, and then beyond that, to invest in others and to try to help others to follow Jesus. To invest in the Gospel. To, to, if we're going to be people who try to consistently speak the truth in love to others, we are going to be drained. It's draining. It's tiring. And it can be painful. We can suffer hurt and heartache. Now think with me. Do, you, do we want, as a church, do we want to be a, a church full of joyful disciple-makers? As we go out this week, and we go into our own lives, and so we, we all have our own little corner of the, of the world that, that, we, that we live in, and that we have influence in. We have small children at home, maybe, and we're trying to make disciples out of them. We have teenagers at home, we're trying to make disciples out of them. We have neighbors and co-workers that we care for deeply and we want to see them trust Jesus and follow Jesus. We have people that we care for and we want to see them trust and follow Jesus. We have, we have Christians in our lives that we know are struggling to, to follow Jesus in certain ways. And so we want to help them. If we're, not, if, if, we're, if we're going to decide I'm not going to be an isolated hermit, if I'm going to try to be a disciple maker, if we're going to go that route with our life, which is what we're called to do, we're going to get tired and we're going to hurt. It hurts. Because we get, we get wounded. We get heartbroken. Things don't always work out well. And even when they are working out well, it's tiring. It's exhausting. So we want the Gospel to go forward out of First Baptist Church. And I don't just mean like the missionaries we support and the sermons we preach and the songs we sing. Well, I, I, I want the, the Gospel to go forward out of all of us in our own little spheres of life. I want you guys, I want you, you, you guys to be disciple-makers in your homes and in your neighborhoods and, and as you can in your jobs, at your schools. I want you to get after it. I want to, in my own life, do this. I don't want my only disciple-making to be my, my preaching or my teaching. I want this to be a part of my, my individual life as well. This is, if this is important to us, if, if, if 
being a church full of disciple makers is important to us, then also what has to be important to us is that we are a church full of refreshers. If we are going to be committed to disciple making, all of us, if we're all going to be committed to disciple making, then we all also have to be committed to refreshment. Paul needed it. You'll need it. I need it. And since, since you can be sure that you need it, you can also be sure that the people around you need it as well. So what does it look like to, to, to refresh someone? To commit yourself to a ministry of refreshment? What does it look like? Paul is going to show us here. He's going to give us just a few verses, a few things that this Onesiphorus guy did for him. And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at Onesiphorus' example. I, there's a couple of extra S's in there, I think. We're going to look at his example. I'm going to just call him the big O. We'll just call him that. Just, we're done calling him Onesiphorus. I can't do that. Oh, yeah. And we're going to learn what it means to refresh someone. So three, three things, three ways that Onesiphorus gives us this great example of what it means to refresh someone. Number one, first thing it means, it means we seek them out. We seek them out. We see in verses 15 through 17 that there were many people who were ashamed of Paul. Once Paul got arrested and thrown in jail, there were a lot of people who could have helped Paul out. They didn't. So he says in verse 15, you are aware that all who are in Asia, which is like modern day Turkey, all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. We don't know why he singles them out, but it's a, he, Paul wants us to see that there were people who could have helped him out. So when you, when you go to prison back in the day, when, when Paul goes to prison, he is stuck. All right. There's no court-appointed lawyer. Like he, he got no right to a public attorney. Paul, if Paul was going to be defended, he was going to have to have one of his friends come and defend him. And he, there's no right to blankets and food and comfort. If Paul was going to get food in prison, his friends were going to have to help him. He, the, the prisoners relied on their friends. The system wasn't set up the way it's set up now. But Paul says, as soon as I was arrested and tossed in prison the people who could have helped me, they ditched me. They ditched me. They pretended like they didn't know me anymore. They turned their back on me. He says, except for Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, listen to this, he searched for me earnestly and found me. And so now this is probably during the, the reign of Nero. And I, if, if you, like, you don't have to be like a big history person to equate Nero with crazy person, right? And, as soon as you, and nobody thinks Nero, oh, you know, I'm going to name my kid Nero because that was a, that was a, a stand-up guy. No, Nero, everybody knows Nero was crazy and he was mean to people and he did a bunch of crazy stuff. Even if we don't have all the details, we know Nero was a bad guy. And Nero had turned on the Christians and he was persecuting the Christians and he was trying to kill the Christians. And so, this is a lot of the reason Paul was in prison. And so now, when Onesiphorus comes into Rome and he's looking for Paul, he doesn't know what prison he's in. There's no records. There's no one he can call. He doesn't know. So he has to go around asking people, hey, do you know where Paul is? Do you know where Paul is? Do you know what what prison Paul is in? This is a very risky, unsafe thing to do. This is, I mean, this could go very, very badly for him. But he does it. 
He searches earnestly. He puts his own life on the line so that he can find Paul. And he found him. He searched earnestly for him. He sought him out. Now, obviously, in our, in our life, when we are going to go and encourage someone who's standing for the Gospel, we want, we, want to, we want to buck them up. We want to sturdy them. We want to stand for them. We want to stand with them. We want to encourage them. It's going to look different. It's going to look different. But we can take the example we see here, this determination we see here, and we can, we can have that in our own lives. A couple of things stand out to me. A couple of things that I found convicting about the way Onesiphorus handled this. For one, he didn't say, and this may sound like I'm preaching to you, I'm mostly preaching to myself, you're welcome to listen in. Here's, Onesiphorus didn't say, let me know if you need anything. That's my favorite go-to. That's my favorite go-to. Because it's super pastoral, right? Someone's going through a hard time, let me know if you need something. Oh, thanks, Pastor. It's great, though, because no one ever needs anything. It's the easiest thing to say. No one's ever going to say, you know what, actually, I could use you to come over and and help me with... Oh, I did not see that coming. Got to think of a new thing to say. That's what what Nesphorus could have done. Drop Paul a line. Hey, I heard you're in jail. Bummer, dude. Let me know if you need anything. And that's for sought him out. He went after him. He sought him out. He took the initiative. And, he, said, and, he, and he, he didn't say, you need any food? No, he knows Paul needs food. He brought food. You need a, you need a fresh blanket? No, he didn't ask him. He just brought it. He just did it. He took the initiative. He got after it. This is what it means to be an encourager. This is what it means to be a refresher, a replenisher, a refueler. Because you know in your you know in your head, if your friend says to you, let me know if you need anything, you know you're never gonna say anything. Never, hardly, hardly, hardly ever. Maybe every once in a while, but hardly ever are you gonna actually say, Yeah, I could I could use some help. We don't do that. Now you can use help. If Paul can use help, you can use help. But we'll never say it. We'll never say it. We don't want to put people out. They got their own stuff to take care of. So Onesiphorus knew Paul, and so he came after him. He sought him out. And the other thing Onesiphorus didn't do, he, he didn't just assume that Paul was fine. Because you have to kind of like, you have to be thinking, what is, what is going through Onesiphorus' mind right now? Like, Paul is, he is the church father at this time. Does Paul really need help? Paul wrote half the New Testament. Paul is responsible for churches all over the Roman Empire. What is, what is Onesiphorus going to offer here? What is he, how can he help Paul? Onesiphorus doesn't do that either. Because we do that often. Often we say, you know what, they look strong, they seem fine, they got a brave face. They don't seem like they need anything. I'm just going to stay out of their life. We have, to, we have to believe that the people around us 
no matter how long they've been saved, no matter how much they've helped us, no matter how much they, we've seen them sturdy in their faith, faith no, no, matter, no matter what we've seen in them, we have to understand that humans get depleted. We get discouraged. We start to wonder, is it worth it? Can I keep going? We need to be replenished. The people around you need to be replenished. So Onesiphorus doesn't, he doesn't say, you know, what can I possibly offer Paul? And we don't really even know what he did offer Paul. Maybe he read him some of, Paul, some of his own letters. Hey, Paul, remember when you said, count it all joy? That was good stuff, buddy. I, I, maybe he did. Who knows what he did? But he showed up. He showed up. He was there with him. And Paul says, he refueled me. He brought strength to me. This little guy we don't know anything about. He brought strength to the Apostle Paul. Don't assume you're not needed. And don't do that thing that I do, okay? Don't follow my example. Don't just say, hey, let me know if you need anything. And next time you hear that from me, tell me something. Come over by my lawn. It's January. I don't care, Steve. You said tell me if you need something. All right. I'm coming over. Call me on it. It's good for me. So, so Onesiphorus takes the initiative. He seeks him out. Maybe, maybe you're, you're thinking, I don't really know um, who needs encouragement. I don't really know who in the church needs encouragement. I know, there are, I know there are college students who are trying to help their fellow college students live for Jesus and make good decisions and, and pursue wisdom. And, and so, so that's, a, that's sort of, if you're a college student and you're trying to help other college students do that, that's kind of like a full-time job. All right? There's always going to be stuff that you can work through with people. Maybe you've got some, some people in your life, that they're, they're, they're young moms, young dads, and they've got the three-year-old, the four-year-old, the five-year-old, and they're, and they're trying to help that little... Uh, yeah, I, none of those first few words are good. That little child, that little blessing from heaven, that, whatever, they're trying to help them um, understand and know and love Jesus. You've got, the, you've got the, the parent who's exhausted with their teenager, and every day it's just more fun. You've got the guy at work who's, who's praying for his co-worker. He's looking for opportunities to share the gospel with him. You've got the Sunday school teacher who week in and week out faithfully prepares and teaches God's Word. We go on and on and on and on. We have people in our midst who are, who are committed to this. And, and in your own way, you're committed to this. And you know, you, you, you know you need to be refueled. So, so I encourage you, if you're not sure who needs it, I encourage you to get to know people better. Take advantage of some of the opportunities we have to, to get to know people better. Get, get, get faithful to Sunday school. Come be a part of Wednesday night uh, Bible study. Stick around before and after church for a little while. Get to know the people. or Invite them over. Invite them out to eat. Get to know the people around you. I strongly encourage it. That way they can know you. And they can know that when you are feeling sapped and depleted, 
They can, they can encourage you. And, and you can do that for them. Strongly encourage it. This is what we do. We have to do this for each other. We have to seek each other out. We have to take the initiative. A, a church a church that's going to be committed to disciple-making is going to be committed to refreshment. So that's number one. We, we seek each other out. And then number two, we stick with them. We stick with them. Verse 16, He often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. He searched me and found me. And then the end of verse 18, and you, you well know all the service He rendered at Ephesus. So, so Paul is saying, this is who, this is who Onesiphorus is. I mean, he has a, a lifelong track record of encouraging me, of being there for me, of showing up when I needed him, being a blessing to me. Paul says, this is who he is. This is what, this is what we need to be as well. We need to stick with people. We need to stick with people. See, we've all had friends that we, we were close with and we, we thought that they were, they were going to be with us for the long haul and they've turned their back on us. They've deserted us. Or, or maybe not even in a mean, I hate you, I'm never talking to you way, but they've just kind of faded out of our lives and they just don't care about us anymore. So we've experienced that. This is what makes it just so refreshing and, and so encouraging to have that friend who just sticks with you and stays with you. This, this is not a one-time thing. Encouragement is a marathon. It's a journey. It's sticking with someone. So my, my family and I now are in March. Um, in March, we will have been here for five years. So, I mean, that's given, that's given you, some of you, an opportunity to really know us. Right? And so, we, we get all kinds of encouragement. Like, I hope you're not hearing this sermon as, hey, I need to be nicer to Steve. That's not what this sermon is. You guys are nice to me. I want you to be nicer to each other. Um, and I want to be nicer to you. That's what this sermon's about. I want to encourage you and sturdy you in your disciple making. I'm not saying, come, come encourage me. And, no. Don't hear it that way. Don't hear it that way. Please. You guys encourage me, and um, and and Christmas time we got a lot of uh, just uh, you know just you guys are nice, too nice. Um, and I know most of it's because of my wife and children. I know that, but it's still it's still a blessing. And she's surprised. Denise is surprised when it's a new person who who goes out of their way to do something encouraging for us. That's not surprising to me, because those people don't know me, right? They still can think like the best. I'm surprised when it's those of you who have known me for four or five years, and you're still nice to me. That's the one that gets me. Because if one of you, there's two spouses, right? One of you is saying, you know, we should do something nice for Steve. And the other one is saying, do we really want to encourage him? <laughs> like, uh, It's kind of like Eden, whenever Pete does something crazy at the house... And I think Pete's hilarious because he's basically a miniature version of me. So what could be wrong, you know? And so I, I, I think he's hilarious. And Eden says to me, Dad, don't encourage him. Don't encourage him. 
And so that's how I picture it at, at the house when you guys are trying to decide if you can do something nice for me. One of you is saying, yeah, we should, and you know, don't encourage him. So anyhow, I am sturdied and encouraged and blessed far more than you know by people who just stick with me, who know me and stick with me. They know, they, 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 they're tracking with all of my interesting tendencies, and they're sticking with me. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a blessing? It's nice when the, when the person that you're just getting to know does something really encouraging, it's kind of out of the blue, and it's, and it's nice when the person who knows you, they've seen the ups and downs. They've seen me at my better moments, and eh, some of the times I've failed, I've let them down. You stick around long enough, I'll let you down. I promise. I don't mean to, most of you. Some of you, yeah. But I won't. I'll let you down. Um, But here's one of the reasons, and it's weird to say this out loud because you never know what's going to happen. One of the reasons I want to pastor this church for years and years and years and years and years is because I want to stick with you. I want to encourage you. I want to say, you can do this. You can do this. You can raise those kids for the glory of God. You can, you can shape and guide and mentor those grandchildren for the glory of God. You can keep looking for opportunities to share the gospel with your co-workers. You can, you can keep at it. You can do this. God is faithful. I believe in you. Let me know if I can help. No, I, not, not, not that. I want to, I want to, because over time, it just gets sweeter and sweeter and stronger and stronger. If you're going to, if you're going to encourage someone, you have to seek them out. If we're going to be a church that's committed to disciple making, we have to be a church that's committed to encouragement, to refreshment. We have to seek each other out and we have to stick with each other. And then number three, we need to remember who we are ultimately serving. We have to remember who we are ultimately serving. Verse 18, Paul's thinking about Onesiphorus. I just love, I love this verse, and I started crying about it this morning. I'm not going to cry now because I'm done with that. I've got my, all my tears out. But I just love this. I love the way Paul thinks about Onesiphorus. The highest thing that Paul could hope for for him. He says in verse 18, May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And so what we have here is, May the Lord God, God the Father, grant him to find mercy from the Lord the Son, God the Son, on that day. And, and so, so what Paul is saying is, he's talking about when Onesiphorus stands before Jesus, and Jesus is going to reward, reward him for his kindness. And so here's how Jesus himself describes what this will be like. This is what that day will be like when Onesiphorus stands before Jesus. Matthew 25 says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me, and you came to me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and gave you drink? And when did you see, we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And this verse is going to stand before King Jesus, and King Jesus is going to say, when you visited Paul, when you fed Paul, when you comforted Paul, when you encouraged Paul, you were serving me. Let's think about what Jesus Himself has done for us, church. He has sought us out. He has risked it all. He has given all in order to save us from our sins. He has has come to seek and to save those who are lost. Have you believed that? Have you believed this good news that the Son of God has come to seek and to save those who are lost? Have you believed that you were among the lost? That you deserve punishment? That He came for you. He sought you. He saved you by dying for you on the cross. By raising again three days later. Have you believed that? If you haven't believed that, if you don't see yourself as one that Jesus has sought out and saved, if you haven't believed it, then, then let's talk. So I always say, let's come find me afterwards, we'll talk. And then, and then after we consider that Jesus has sought us out, let's consider all the ways in which He has stuck with us. He's never turned His back on us. He's never gotten sick of us. He's never said this is too much. The same garbage every day. I'm done with this guy. I need a break. Jesus has stuck with us. I love the end of the the How Firm a Foundation song. Those who lean on Jesus for repose. Those who, this is an old school way of saying, those who find their rest in Jesus, he will never desert to their foes. That soul, though all hell, should endeavor to shake. He will never, 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 no, never forsake. Jesus has stayed with us. He has stayed with us. So here's how we can honor our great King, our great Savior. We can seek out those who love Him and those who belong to Him and those who are serving Him. We seek them out. That high schooler who's following Jesus, trying to follow Jesus, and it can be very hard. That college student who's trying to follow Jesus, trying to make disciples, it's difficult. Those are not easy ages to do this. That mom who's trying to point her four-year-old to the Gospel. That dad who's trying to faithfully teach his children how to live according to the Word of God. That church member who's trying to get gospel conversations going with their neighbors or co-workers or extended family. That Sunday school teacher. That children's church worker. We seek them out. And we say, I see how hard you're working. It is worth it. God is faithful. Keep going. Don't give up. Let me buy you lunch. Let me help you out. Let me babysit your kids. Let me shovel your snow. Let me just sit and listen and just hear what's going on in your life and just believe you. Let me just believe you. Let me just take everything you say at face value and listen to you and believe you and pray for you. And be there. And tell you you're not crazy. God is faithful. His mercy is real. 
It's sufficient. So when you're doing that for the people around you, you are, you are ultimately serving your King and your Savior. The one who sought you out. The one who stuck with you. If we're going to be a church that's committed to disciple-making, we, we have to be a church that's committed to refreshing one another. So, so by God's grace, let's, let's get after it. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your love for us. We, th- we thank You for Jesus. I thank You that Jesus has never and will never desert me to my foes. Leave me to fend for myself. He'll never say, you know what, I'm done with this guy. He will never do that. He will hold me fast. I thank you, God, for that great grace. I thank you that Jesus sought me out. And I thank you that, that according to his own mercy, on that day when we stand before him, he's going to remember every time we, we sought someone out and encouraged them. Every time we bought someone lunch, we, we prayed with them, we listened to them, we, we helped them out. He's going to remember that. He's going to say, you, you did that for your disciple, that disciple maker, you did that for me. We look forward to that day. Help us to believe that it's coming. Help us to trust in the, in the all-sustaining grace of Jesus. That He will be with us to the end of the age. Help us to encourage our friends who are making disciples. Help us, God, in Christ's name. Amen.